it's hard for us to come down to rest, to relax, to trust, because being still is trusting. And what we're going to do the next three weeks is we're going to look at the most well-known poem in all of history, the 23rd Psalm. And I want you to hear it with fresh ears and see it with fresh eyes. The 28 years I've been here, I've never preached on Psalm 23 other than at a funeral. But this is a life passage. It's not so much about dying, it's about living and how we are to live. And, and the problem with us is that we tend to let life overwhelm us. And we wonder and we pace and we fret. And all the situations and fears of life begin to tear at us and tear at our peace and, and tear at our hope. And we begin to wonder, does God know and does God care? And we need to be still and hear what he has to say to us and what he wants to speak to us. And so when we look at this psalm, it's a reminder that God is in control of the clock and of the calendar. Uh, I'm not in control of any of that. I didn't have any control over when the sun came up this morning. Did you? Oh, some of you did. Uh, I didn't have any control over when the sun came up. Did you? Do you have any control over when it's going to go down? So that means you don't have any control really over everything that's going to happen in between it. You have some, but mostly you don't. Because you can't control what happens around you or with the people around you. And how do we learn to trust God in a world that seems to be running in every direction? How do we trust him with our fears, our stress? How do we depend on him and let him be our shepherd? In the Hebrew, this psalm is only 55 words. It's about 100 words in English. But it deals with how we are to face fear and anxiety and neurosis and needs and God's provision. So we're going to take two verses at a time each week and look at this psalm and see what it has to say to us about having stability in our lives. It begins with the Lord and it ends with forever. So everything in your life is somewhere between the Lord and forever. F.B. Meyer called this psalm a microcosm of God's grace. Years ago in Norfolk, Virginia, the newspapers used to print the titles on Saturday of every pastor's sermon. Every pastor in town would call in the title of his sermon and they would print it. Of course, you know, newspapers now would rather print bad news than any good news. So, so they call this preacher Reverend Williams. He was a Methodist pastor. And they called him and he said, could you give us your sermon title for this coming Sunday? And he said, yes. He said, my title is, The Lord is My Shepherd. And the person at the newspaper said, that's it? He said, yes. He said, there's nothing more? He said, no. The Lord is my shepherd. That's enough. And the paper printed, 
the Lord is my shepherd, that's enough. <laughs> Never doubt the press to get something wrong. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, that's enough. And it is. But we don't believe that. We love to see this psalm read, and we love to quote it. It is the most quoted psalm of all the psalms. But when it comes down to living, we don't know how to live in this passage. We think we know it, but we know it in our heads, but we've not put it in our hearts yet. It is enough. Now, because we are mostly not people familiar with agriculture, we sometimes miss the meaning of psalms and stories and parables that deal with wheat or sheep or land or agriculture or soil or grapes or fruit because that's what we go to the grocery store to get. But this psalm gives us symbols in the natural world to remind us in the natural world of how we're supposed to live supernaturally. So God is the author and creator of the natural and the supernatural. So if we look at this with fresh eyes, then we're going to see that nothing in the Bible is randomly arranged. That's important for you to know because you need to look at where this psalm sits. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24 are all messianic psalms written about a thousand years before the birth of Christ. They all deal with some picture of God's grace and of God's provision. And so it's not random there. It is wedged in between Psalm 22. What is Psalm 22? <clears throat> Psalm 22 deals with the messianic Savior who suffers. The Savior who suffers. It predicts a cross a beating, a piercing, and thirsting. In Psalm 22, we see, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a messianic prophecy about the coming of a saving shepherd. Here is Jesus who was forsaken so we can be forgiven. Here is Jesus who is thirsting so that we can find in him the water of life. Here is Jesus who is it rejected so that he can accept us, who died so that we might live. And in verse 31, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. The psalmist said, in the eyes of God, it's already a done deal. Jesus is going to die for our sins. That's Psalm 22. Psalm 23, we move right into it, and it's Christ as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Now, one of the things you should put in your Bible somewhere is that all the verbs in Psalm 23 are present tense. They're here and now. It's not he was, it's not he will be. They're all present tense. The psalmist is writing this as a present tense experience, remembering the past, looking to the future, but he's right now, this is who God is. He's our shepherd. Then Psalm 24 is a three-part poem. In verses 1 and 2, we see God as creator. In verses 3 through 6, 
The creator God, the sustainer God, invites us to worship him. And then in verses 7 through 10, the king will claim his kingdom. So here's how it lays out. Psalm 22 predicts victory. Psalm 23 is present victory. And Psalm 24 is eternal victory. Everything about these three psalms relates to the victory that you and I have in Christ and the power that we have available to us. Why is that so important? Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24, yesterday, today, and forever. Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. A thousand years before his birth, at his birth and his crucifixion, and in eternity, he's the same. So let's look. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my Lord. He's my leader. He's my boss. If the Lord is, then I'm under his control. Now, it's key that it says the Lord is. Because the question we have to ask ourselves, is he? Is he my shepherd? The Lord is. Who's David talking about? He's talking about Jehovah, the God of Israel. He's also thinking forward all the prophecies about the coming of Jesus. And Jesus would be the good shepherd who would guide us and lead us, who would lay down his life for his sheep. Colossians 1 talks about the Lord who is in control above all things. And so these are the words of a shepherd about the great shepherd. The Lord is. God has protected David. You think about it. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're dealing with, but God has protected David from lions and bears. He's protected him from King Saul, who did everything he could to try to kill him. He's protected him in battle after battle after battle, in rebellious times. God's hand has led David like a shepherd. Here's a young boy who was a shepherd. When he looks over his life, and he writes this as an older man, he sees his life in light of the fact that God has guided him and protected him and provided for him. Now here's the context of the psalm. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 15 when Absalom has rebelled against David. David has fled the city of Jerusalem. He's out in the wilderness. People are looking to kill him. And in that time of pressure, when his life is in jeopardy, his kingdom is in turmoil, his family is in upheaval, his son is rebelling against him, the first thing he writes down for this song is, the Lord is my shepherd. Lions, bears, wilderness, rebellion, whatever's going on, the Lord's my shepherd. Now here's a man who's found peace with God. Here's a man who is dealing with rebellion and possibly the loss of his kingdom. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Have you ever met people that have an ingrown toenail and they're not sure the Lord is their shepherd? I mean, you'd think the world has fallen apart on them. 
Just go through one-third of what David went through. Can you really say today, the Lord is my shepherd, which means I'm trusting. I'm abiding. I'm following. I'm listening. He's leading. I'm not in charge. I'm following him. Here's a man after God's own heart. Here's a man who is the king who acknowledges his dependence on God. You know how the first thing you know somebody has the Lord as their shepherd? Humility. They're not large and in charge. They don't think they know it all. They don't think they've got it all figured out. There's humility here. And so, in effect, what David is saying is, I'm a helpless sheep, and I need guidance. Mark Tabb says that humility is an indispensable element of faith. Without it, faith degenerates into nothing more than positive thinking or a magic formula by which we try to wrench favors from the hand of God. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he's responsible for my life. He's responsible for where I go, what I do, how I respond. Now, you and I have two options. And you need to listen very carefully because some of you came in here thinking that you're listening to the Lord and you're not. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I'm wanting, the Lord's not my shepherd. Did you hear me? If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But if I'm wanting, it's because he's not my shepherd. And I'm not talking about material things there. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about assurance. I'm talking about a calm in the midst of the storms of life that you have that you wouldn't have if you're your own shepherd. And the problem is we trust God for salvation, but he's not the Lord. The Lord is. All of it. My shepherd. All of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. So whatever comes, I look back and say, well, man, here's a time when he watched over me and here's a time when he protected me and here's a time when he provided for me and here's a time when God came through. And now let me make the list of all the times when I thought I was in charge and see how those worked out. You see, what David is trying to get us to is to realize that our frustration and our emptiness and our despair is because I'm my shepherd, not the Lord. I know what to do. That's why we don't pray. We don't pray because we think we're the leaders. We don't trust God because we think, I'll call on him if I need him. You need him all the time. You may not recognize it. You may not feel it. You may not sense it. But you're going to walk off a cliff if you don't understand the Lord is to be your shepherd. And some of you in this room are dealing with multiple issues of money, jobs, success, health, alcohol, drugs, kids. And the reason that you can't seem to get on top of it is because those things lead you, not God. 
Your aging parent leads you. Your prodigal child leads you. Your finances, your debt leads you. Your health leads you. Not the Lord. That's leading you. And then you say, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Lord says, well, let me be God. Let me be in charge. Let me control it. Ray Stedman said, it occurs to me that if Jehovah is to be our shepherd, then we have to begin by recognizing we are sheep. Now listen, God is not complimentary in what he says about us when he compares us to animals. He calls us donkeys and he calls us sheep. Sheep are, listen, dumb. Say that out loud with me. Dumb. Well, I've got a pretty high IQ. Compared to God, you're dumb. Well, I've got degrees from multiple universities. You're still dumb. You can't explain 1% of the universe. You're dumb. God's the one that's smart. And we mess up our lives because we think like Adam and Eve. I know better than God. That means we're dumb. Sheep are also defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. You've never seen a sheep get up on its back legs and with its front hooves go, start punching. They're defenseless. They don't take direction well. You realize if a sheep gets off of a path, that they can be 10 feet off a path and not know how to get back on it. 10 feet. I mean from here to here, and I'm a sheep, and I don't know how to get back to there. That's why the shepherd has a rod and a staff. Come on, dummy. Let's go. Get back in line. And we keep wandering off and wonder why the enemy has such easy prey over our lives. Literally, a sheep doesn't know how to get in out of the rain. If you said, here's a cave, walk in here, your wool won't get wet. They would stand there and look at it until the shepherd taps them and says, get in the cave. Now you think two-year-olds are that way. I want to tell you 20-year-olds are that way. And 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80-year-olds are that way. We're dumb. We're defenseless. We need to be led. And so he says, the Lord is my shepherd, which means I need somebody to tell me what to do. Amen. I need somebody to lead me. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray and we have everyone turned to his own way. When God calls us a sheep, what he's saying is when you look in the mirror, you need to see what you really are. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. So, Let's all make a confession right now. 
I'm a sheep. Some of you don't believe it. Let's all make a confession right now. I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Now here's the next confession if he's the shepherd. I shall not want. Now if he's the shepherd and the deal is if he's the shepherd I shall not want, why do I want to be in charge? Why do I want to run my life? Because running my life, there's all kinds of things I want, I need, I can't figure out, I don't know what to do, I'm lost in the wind, I mean, I, I don't know where I'm going. But if he says, I shall not want, he's reminding us that the Lord is. So let's just look at some of what the Lord is for us. He is Yahweh, the great I am is my shepherd. Yahweh. He is Elohim. The God of gods is my shepherd. The great I am is my shepherd. Now that's pretty good leadership right there. The God of gods is my shepherd. Adonai, the master and Lord, is my shepherd. These are all names, Hebrew names for God. The master and Lord is my shepherd. El Shaddai, the God who is mighty to nourish, is my shepherd. In other words, if I need to be fed, he feeds me. Jehovah Roy, the Lord who is my shepherd. And Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees to the need, is my shepherd. <clears throat> so, if the Lord is, and I'm not, if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want because he's the great I am, the God of gods, the master and Lord, the God who is mighty to nourish, the Lord who is, the Lord who sees the need. I would say he's got it covered. Not us. In John 10, Jesus clearly says that there are three primary responsibilities of a shepherd. To lead, to feed, and to protect. God's responsibility for those who are his sheep, is to lead, to feed, and to protect. And he does that because of who he is. Because of who he is, I can trust him to lead, I can trust him to feed, and I can trust him to protect, which means the shepherd is totally responsible for my life. I just have to surrender. I have to yield. I have to yield my rights. I have to die to myself so that as a sheep who needs a shepherd, I can let him be all of that, even when he's working behind the scenes and I don't see it. All of that on my behalf. So I'm going to give you some words to write down by each verse. First of all, the Lord is my shepherd, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, verse 1. Verse 2, the Lord is my provision. Verse 3, the Lord is my strength. Psalms 
second part of verse 3, the Lord is my righteousness. Next, the Lord is my comfort, verse 4. Verse 5, the Lord is my victory. And verse 6, the Lord is my reward. Now, just say those with me. Shepherd, provision, strength, righteousness, comfort, victory, reward. Does that pretty much cover it? I mean, name the day. Does that pretty much cover it? He didn't say the Lord might be or I hope the Lord will be. He said the Lord is that. Right now, present tense. He's all of those things for me. So if I'm feeling defeated, defeated, it's because I'm not letting him be my victory. If I'm feeling I've been slighted, I'm not letting him be my reward. If I'm feeling weak, I'm not letting him be my strength. God has something he wants to do in us and with us so that we shall not want. you got to remember, sheep don't take care of themselves. They need constant attention. I shall not want is not about material things. It's about God's management of my life. I'm in his care. That is an expression of intimacy. Remember what Jesus said? My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. You see, and you can mix shepherds. If you read books, I've read a couple of books on this on shepherding and what happens when somebody is a shepherd. At night, if you put three different herds into a sheepfold and the shepherds would sleep at the gate of the sheepfold to protect, that nothing could go past them. If you put three separate flocks and herds into a sheepfold, and let's say it's me and Stephen and Ken, in the morning when it's time for the sheep to come out, I would speak and my sheep would immediately hear my voice and follow. Stephen would speak and his sheep would hear his voice and follow. Ken would speak, and his sheep would hear his voice and follow. Not one time, because sheep are trained to hear a voice. Not one time would one of Ken's sheep start following me, and Ken have to leave the fold before it's time and say, Hey, wrong group. Come over here. They immediately recognize the voice of the shepherd. Why? Because they have learned, as dumb as they are, that if I don't listen to the shepherd, I'm going to be in trouble. And I'm going to be in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. So they hear his voice. There's an intimacy, there's a knowledge, there's an awareness of one another. Sheep know the shepherd's voice. And then he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now there's a whole lot to this. Look at the quote in your notes by Robert Morgan. The green pastures represent provision, met needs, peace, content minds, and nourishment, well-fed souls. 
I like what Martin Luther said. We're the 500-year celebration of the Reformation, which is why you're Baptist and, and we're evangelicals. Martin Luther said, Christianity is known by its personal pronouns. In other words, there's an intimacy with God that we know as Christians that no other religion in the world knows or understands or comprehends. It's known by personal pronouns because we have a personal relationship with the living God. You see, faith that is not personal is nothing. It has to be personal. It's not about the faith of everybody else. My faith, personal faith, in a personal God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, for the sheep to lie down, you have to meet four requirements. And all of us need this. First of all, they need to be free of fear. How many times does the Bible say, fear not? Don't be afraid. Why? Because fear is one of the driving emotions of humanity. Fear that I can't control, fear that I don't know, fear of what I know, fear of what I don't know. Fear of where I've been, fear of where I'm going. Fear. A sheep has to be free from fear. They need to be free of conflict. There can't be coyotes and, and stuff roaming around that are about to take them out. There's got to be a sense of peace for them. Free of fear, free of conflict, free of flies and parasites. Flies and parasites will get in the ears and the nose of a sheep and, and hatch eggs and cause disease. And so they have to be freed, and that's what the shepherd does with the oil. And the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, which we'll see in two weeks. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. God's oil anoints us and protects us and empowers us to live free of fear and conflict. But if we don't let the Holy Spirit do his work in us, we're going to be messed up. And then the sheep has to be free of hunger. They have to be free of hunger. They have to be well fed. So what is God doing? He makes me to lie down so that I can lie down, I can rest in the Lord. I can be at peace with God because he's relieved me of fear, conflict, parasites, and hunger. And all of these are entirely dependent on the shepherd. The sheep does nothing to make these things happen. That's why we need him to be our shepherd. Because I can't perform any of these functions. Verse 2 is a picture of the life of faith rest, of abiding. It's a picture of being secure in who you are in Christ and knowing who you are in Christ. And the green pastures give healthy sheep in the still waters because sheep can't swim and they don't like moving water. They have to have it to survive. God meets us at the point of our need. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Though the outward man perishes, 
The inner man is renewed day by day. So how does God lead us? I'll just look at it. Pastures are a picture of the word. God feeds us so we know how to think out of his word. Dr. Phil doesn't feed us. Talk shows don't feed us. They confuse us. Because you get people that aren't fed by the word telling you to go eat briars and thorns and that that's going to make you happy. We are fed by the word. He leads me to green pastures. There's always a word from the word for the person that's looking for a word. He leads us to green pastures and still waters. Water is one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the word and the spirit. What did Jesus say? We're to worship him in spirit and truth. We don't worship just in spirit. We don't worship just in truth. We worship him in spirit and truth. And the spirit soaks into us and applies to us and nourishes us and strengthens us on the word which we have read and studied and applied. Here's the danger. The danger is to know this psalm and not know this shepherd. The danger is to be familiar with these words and to be so familiar with them that you may have memorized them and not live in the truth of these words. That's the danger. Jesus, Yeshua, is my shepherd. So I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus your shepherd today? Or are you in control of your life and running your life and planning your life and designing your life and telling God, I'll call you when I need you? Or is he really your shepherd? Because if you came in here and you don't feel stable and secure in the Lord, it's because you're not letting him be your shepherd. Now, that's one of two things. Either you've never trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never given your heart to him, or... You ask him to save you, but you've not let him be Lord. You've asked him to give you a home in heaven, but you've not let him have control of your life. You're still trying to control your life, your stuff, your time, your energy. And that's why we get all stressed out. You know why there's an opiate addiction in America? Because people think they can control their lives. Jim and I were in a town this past week in New Mexico that's the meth capital of New Mexico. Out of every four kids that graduate from high school, one works in the oil field and three work in meth labs. How's that working? So, well, that's not us. Thank God that's not us. No, but you go home and you keep your Bible and you never open it and you don't pray but then when life falls apart, you say, God, where are you when I need you? He's the same place he was when you didn't think you needed him. Waiting on you to admit you need him. Waiting on you to trust him. Waiting on you to surrender to him. 
And that's where we are today. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Now, if you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are to come find one of these men and to say to them, I need to trust Christ. I need the Lord to save me. I need the Lord to be my shepherd today. And you need to trust him. Quit trusting in yourself. The Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Maybe you need to trust him today, but I've got a feeling that some of us here today need to make these steps and these prayer altars a place where we kneel before the Lord and we say, Lord, I, I know the words of this psalm, but I, I need to see them in a fresh way, in a new way. I need to see who you are now, right now, for me, in this moment, in this time, and I need to trust you that you see, that you know, and that you care. That I'm not beyond your care. I, my needs are not beyond you. That I just simply have to trust you to allow you to lead me so that I can live a life not without problems, but I can live a life without want because I know in the midst of my problems, my setbacks, and my adversity, you're my shepherd. And you're watching over me. And you're guarding me. And you're protecting me. And you love me. And you laid down your life for me. I'm going to throw myself on you. Because I've realized I may be just a little too dumb to figure this all out. I might just need you. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As Mark sings, you step out and you come right now.